This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, Episode 59. Hey, podcast listeners, welcome back to the show. I am so excited for today. I have my friend Nicole Schwartz on from Imperfect Families, and we're going to talk about back to school and transitions and homework and and all that stuff that shows up here in the fall at least up here in the western hemisphere um when our kids go back to school i personally am really excited when the school bus returns to the neighborhood and it comes with its own set of challenges right so nicole and i are going to puzzle out routines. We're going to talk a little bit about chores and a little bit about homework and really how to hold space for our kids to show up in a way that is helpful and cooperative so that they can contribute not only to, you know, the the household, but also to their own experience and um, just in, in making those agreements and those routines. So if this is your first time listening to the podcast, Yay! Welcome! I'm so glad that you found me and that you found the show. And, you know, if you love it, make sure that you're telling your friends and your family and anyone who will listen, please, about it. You know, take their phones, take their devices and show them exactly how to subscribe because it's exciting. We're catching steam and what a great opportunity to help other people raise kids that are capable, that are confident, that are kind, that, you know, have it together. So it takes all of us. It takes all of us to share this work and empower parents to, you know, parent in a way that's really helpful and effective. So anyway, this show is my offer to you. And you're going to hear things that really work for you and you're going to get excited and want to try it and then stuff that maybe you want to let go of and, you know, it's a buffet. It's all just an offer and um, hopefully you find some inspiration. So again, I'm super excited for my friend Nicole to be here and uh, I'm going to quit talking now so that we can get on to the interview. Hi, Nicole. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. Will you please, yeah, again, right? Yay. Will you please remind the listeners what you do? Yeah. So I own the website imperfectfamilies.com and I offer parent education online and then I offer um, individual online parent coaching sessions um, and run a couple of um, communication courses during the year. Yeah, and I was just saying before I hit record how much I love sharing your posts because I feel like you and I are totally in alignment with how we support parents. So yay, 
for that. Yay. And the last time you were on, we talked about helping our kids navigate negative self-talk. So you listeners that are diehards, you'll remember episode 39. They, the people loved it, Nicole. So thank you for that. And today we're going to talk about the transition back to school. Yep. Some of us are waiting anxiously for the school bus to come back to the neighborhood. Have your and your kids have started? Yes. Yeah, they're in their third week already. Oh my gosh! So. Because you are in where are you? We're in St. Louis, Missouri. Right. So you're in the middle. So right. The people in the middle have already started. Us west. Yeah. Well, that's not even true because up here in the Pacific Northwest, in Monroe, we start next week because we have the state fair in sure. our town. Right. So we can't start till after the fair ends. Hallelujah. Priorities, people. Right, right. So what are some things that you did for your family to transition back into the school routine? Yeah, I wish we did better at that this year. I have to admit, it wasn't <laughs> as smooth as I had planned it in my mind. Is it ever? Right? I know, but I do feel like... Um, I think the nighttime routine is where we start. So you start creeping it up a little bit, five minutes here, five minutes there. Um, Kind of just getting into the mindset of actually needing to go to bed before the sun goes down here anyway. Um, So that's a little bit, I mean, I think we just kind of tweaked the nighttime routine more than anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Or at least tried to, which was kind of a process. But... um, (laughs) Right. You got to think out, right? I mean, I'm, we start next yeah. Thursday. This, that'll be, this podcast will go live after we've started school, but mm-hmm. today it's right. a Wednesday and we start next Thursday. So I'm already thinking about, okay, so 15 minutes earlier, cause right now it's about 10 PM that the kids are going to sleep sure. and you right. know, we want it to be like eight 30. So right. over the course of the next eight days, it'll be just kind of this movement towards that bedtime, even with kids that are, you know, my kids are going into fifth and eighth grade. So, mm. but man, those middle schoolers, they're getting, she's getting up early. Yeah. Here too. Right. I know. And I think that's hard for kids because they don't realize on the other end, I mean, they, they think it's babyish or whatever to go to bed so early, but to get the amount of sleep that you need. <laughs> yeah. You know, sleep is no joke. So. Right. So what, what about routines? So there's that sleep, yep. there's that bedtime. Yep. Um, I am a huge advocate of routines. I love routines. Sometimes mm-hmm. to a fault and my kids are like, we do not need to create another routine. <laughs> okay, then let's get it together and then we don't have to do that. Yep. Um, but we have routines for the afternoon, after school, um, after dinner, what it looks like in the kitchen, in the morning. What routines would you say are essential for parents to be considering during this back-to-school transition, just to make things ever more smooth and easy? Right. I think one of the biggest routines that maybe is overlooked or whatever, it's not even overlooked, but is that return just coming in the door from schools or from aftercare or from wherever you go after school. Um, and Because what I find with kids is that they're not all the same, so you can't Sometimes you can do this, but sometimes you can't just say, and we're going to have snack and I'm going to sit down and talk with you right away. For some kids, that works really great because they want to like tell you all about their day. Um, some kids really just need to like be by themselves or be quiet or be doing something else other than getting peppered talking. with questions by right. their parent. Right. <laughs> their well-meaning, loving parent. Of course. Right. So I think um, tweaking that a little bit and then 
for your own personality too. It's kind of just one of those, it can really go badly. I think if you try to force it one way or the other. Yeah. And that makes me think, and I think that it's really valuable to have that conversation with the kids and ask them, right? Like what yep. is helpful to you? Cause I know I'm, my tendency is tell me everything that happened at school today. You know, what, who did you sit by? What did you do? What did you talk about? What did that person say? Yep. And my kids shut my daughter especially shuts right down. But when I am kind of aloof about it and just like unattached and quiet in her space, like present with her, but quiet, she will give me a little bit and then a little bit. And if I keep my mouth closed, she really will start to share, which is always so, so, so great because I get all sorts of information that I just don't get when I'm peppering her with questions. But, and I think too, you know, they want to be asked. I think it's really mm-hmm. respectful to say, you know, I love hearing about your day and what would be helpful to you? When do you want to tell me about it? Right. Oh, I love that question. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I, that would be, yeah. Because uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter would rather like the noise of the classroom and the noise of the bus is really too much for her to mm-hmm. handle. And so when she comes home, she will just go to her room and read or she will like hibernate somewhere or whatever. Um, yeah, that would not go well. But I love that question. Just asking them respectfully what would work best. And you probably will get a better response. Yeah, I love asking. I so, love asking. Yes. So what about um, – so there's that after after school piece, which I think is great. And it's funny. I don't know what it feels like to you. You know, my kids are – we have a lot – and probably too much happening between them getting home from school and bedtime. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the culprits is my job because I work with teachers and parents live sometimes, and that happens in the afternoon or in the evening. So that kind of messes with us. One of my kids, my daughter plays competitive sports. So two days a week, it's an evening chunk of time. And then my son likes to do stuff too. Mm -hmm. And so it feels like it it can feel really frantic. Right. Right. And so he, I know my son, especially the 10 year old, when he gets off the bus, he wants to eat and then he wants to play. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) And because school is so structured and confining, he's, he really is super social and really extroverted and really just needs to move and to play. And so it, what I notice with him specifically, because we had kind of a crazy back to school, a couple of, oh, I, hear, I have the neighborhood kids over. Can you hear them? <laughs> I'm watching them out the window too. Like everybody get along. Um, one year, you know, school rolled around and it was like, okay, remember our routine from last year? Well, that's what we're going to put into place from this year. And from day one, you're going to have a snack. You're going to make your lunch. You're going to do 20 minutes of homework and then you can play. And what I noticed is throughout the the first couple weeks of school, he and I started having a really hard time. Like I was just missing the mark and I thought, oh my gosh, are we at that period of time where the boys pull away from their moms (laughs) and I'm not ready for that and let me, you know. But then when I got really honest with myself and took a good look in rather than out – I realized I all I was every interaction I was having with him was basically me telling him what he needed to be doing. Yeah. 
And I asked him, it came to a head when we were all sitting around the table and we were like having this family drawing session, which is the one and only time this has ever happened. But it was really cool that night. (laughs) And he was trying to draw something and I offered an idea and he looked at me and he fell apart. He said, you are just always telling me what to do. (gasps) And it was, and like totally flipped and Mm -hmm. was Mm PO'd. And and that was like the that was when I really went like, oh wow, this is my doing. This is my part. And yeah, and I said, and once he calmed down a little bit, I said, is it feeling like I'm just, you know, bossing you around all the time? And he, you know, his tears are coming, and he's like, yeah, I just feel like every time you talk to me, you're telling me what to do. And so I said, I was like, okay. Well, this is what I'm gonna. This is what I'm gonna work on. This is what I'm gonna do different, and I'm gonna ask way more questions, and I'm gonna check myself. And after a few weeks of that, everything kind of settled back down. So, you know, and the reason that I'm sharing this, listeners, is because often we get into this cycle, and I'm sure Nicole, you can say, mm-hmm. I think you probably see this with your clients too, where you know, parents they just want to know what the heck is going on with our kids and how can I fix this? Mm -hmm. And we tend to look outward at the kids and wanting to manipulate their behavior when simply taking a look inside and making some shifts in our own behavior, that in and of itself is the biggest Mm -hmm. piece Mm -hmm. and the best way that we can start to typically it's repairing relationship yeah. Right. And then yes. helping our kids. Like, yes, there's still stuff that we need to do after school, but me being right. a drill sergeant about it was not helpful mm-hmm. for my son. Yeah. Yeah. We had a similar situation, only it was in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it was, and it was when, you know, the mornings are hard because it's rush, rush. And like, literally, you have got to get on the bus at least. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. And I think it would, well, my daughter was really snappy and, you can take that personally as a parent, I think, or you can do like what you're saying and kind of turn it inside and figure out what's going on. And when I was um, able to see past all the drama and the, um, yeah, back talk and things, yeah, it was a similar thing. She didn't want to be rushed. And so now when I see the clock ticking down, I can be more empathetic and I can say something like, not trying to stress you out here. I just want to let you know there's 10 more minutes or, you know, I know you don't like being rushed and what else do you have to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes like way, way better. Um, but yeah, if you would have just tried to like um, extinguish that behavior first without taking a look inside and backing up and saying, how do I contribute? Probably wouldn't have gone as well. Well, and I really like what you just did with language is you said and instead of mm-hmm. but. Mm -hmm. And this is something that has been coming up a lot for me in my work. It came up in a workshop recently with teachers and on one of my webinars. The power of shifting from the word but to the word and is unbelievable. Because when you think about it, right? This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes 
delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili tamale bowls and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus, there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Out in the world, whether you're talking to kids or adults, and you say, and you hear, that's a great idea, but it's not going to work, right? right? <laughs> like that but totally negates and invalidates the whole first part of the sentence. Mm-hmm. And what yeah. I'm noticing is when I can use that language and what I'm hearing from parents too is when they make that shift, mm-hmm. like the listening ears stay on and the right. openness stays there because they haven't just been shot down. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's really powerful and can't mm-hmm. be overstated. And I love what you said about, yes, that sense. We that Urgency is not real. Urgency <laughs> is something we create. Right. And so, you know, when we can recognize that we're in that, mm-hmm. it's not even – because I think that sometimes, you know, the ultimate goal would be staying zen enough not to go into urgency or staying sure. zen enough not to – take things personally. But the reality is, you know, taking a step towards at least being aware, like, Mm -hmm. whoa, I am full of urgent right now. Mm -hmm. Or wow, I'm taking things really personally right now. And Mm -hmm. in that moment saying, you know, because that's a choice point, that's a place where we can decide like, okay, so am I going to go forward with this? Or can I, you know, take some breaths or do whatever it is that your personal practices of coming back to a calm, centered place and then making a choice about, okay, how can I actually influence this situation towards an outcome that I want right. versus just – and you had that great – wasn't it your post where with the, with the, with the campfire? Yeah. Right. Yeah. How often – because we're feeling urgent, because we're taking yep. things personally, we respond in a way that's just adding more wood to that fire. fire. Right. And then right. we're like, gosh darn it. These kids can't get it together, you know? Right. <laughs> oh, those kids. <laughs> those kids. Man. Gosh darn yeah. them for being kids. And I not hear having that skills. a lot actually with routines and what you're talking about because and I think um when the kids are able to verbalize it, it 
it's something like um, stop repeating yourself. Stop re and but I think that's what we like a lot of times when we're in that urgent state. Like hurry up, hurry up. Do you have your homework? Do you have your homework? It's like not productive at all, and the kids are getting driven crazy, and it's I, you can't even think if the homework is in the bag because they're so annoyed and you're so frantic and whatever. So yeah, urgency is contagious. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. so, and the Brené Brown has a great quote. I can't remember what it is exactly, but it's something is contagious, but so is calm, right? Oh, so like is that. center. Like when we can stay, you know, mirror neurons are a real thing. And yeah. when we can stay calm, it's just always, always helpful in the mm -hmm. situation. It might not result, parents, it's not magic. It might not result in like immediate shift in behavior for our kids, but it absolutely is an influencing energy. Yes, yeah. definitely. I like that a lot. Thanks. Thanks. I just thought of it, you know, so wise. <laughs> <laughs> so I am also so all about contribution. One of our, yep. when we talk about our afternoon routines and something that we cover many times throughout the year in our family meetings has to do with just daily jobs. One thing, typically it's one thing that they can contribute, um, at home. So, uh, because we know that when we contribute, when there's a sense of ownership, mm -hmm. you know, whether we're contributing to like household chores or even contributing to like the plan, the mm -hmm. routine, the right. bedtime conversation, there's an increased likelihood of cooperation because of that sense of ownership. Yeah. So, um, what is when you talk about routines? with parents, what kind, what do you have a certain kind of process or anything or tips that you share with them about how to make it ever more effective and helpful? Mm -hmm. Oh, I think you covered a lot of really good ones right then. I think involving the kids in the process has got to be the first step. I mean, if you come with like a whiteboard prepared with a step-by-step -step instructions, it's probably not going to go over very well. Um, but if you really engage them in the conversation and figure out um, what's going to work for everyone in their personalities, I'm also a big fan of, um, well, I guess two things, getting kids involved and doing things before you feel like they're necessarily old enough. I feel like we wait too long and then they're yeah. in like fifth grade and they've never even made a sandwich or something. And um, kids are capable of a lot more than we think they are yes please invite your children into making their own lunch please do yes. that yes even though they complain like my kids do yeah yeah, yeah. but <laughs> they're not like oh thanks I'm so right. excited I get to make my own lunch that's okay they don't have to like it no but I think it's a great skill and we have a list that we've made together of like ideas that you can pack and snacks that you can have and we don't always have everything in the house but they can see that they have like 20 options I um, love it I just need to pick one. Um, so yeah, so getting kids involved earlier and um, yeah, I love that how it, it does lead to like a sense of pride and independence. And, um, and the other thing is I feel like we're really stuck on, no, sorry, that's a lot of parents, <laughs> not me of course, <laughs> but <laughs> are kind of stuck on like giving kids these certain particular chores and what I've learned over time is like my kids really enjoy doing certain things and they're really good at certain things. Like, and I'll tell you, I don't know if this applies to the morning routine or whatever. I have one daughter that really enjoys cleaning the bathroom. I'm telling you, 
I am not going to stop that behavior. I, you know, my other daughter knows how to clean it too, but I don't feel like it has to be always even. Like, um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just thinking if one kid doesn't like to empty the dishwasher or whatever, and he's really good at sweeping or. Yeah. Nobody likes sweeping at my house. Everybody hates sweeping. (laughs) I'm like, are you kidding me? This is so easy. (laughs) Well, yeah. And so something that we do with our daily jobs is we brainstorm a list of things that would be helpful to have happen. And there's way more on the list than actually gets done in a week so that, you know, they can, even if it's Friday Mm -hmm. and it's the end of the week, there's still choice. They still get Mm -hmm. to decide. And the cool thing that's happened that happened for a while last year was because my son is so down with playing after school, he would get ready for school in the morning and do his job in the morning because he didn't want to have to deal with it later. And he also, for a while, was all about cleaning the bathroom. I love it. (laughs) Because it's fast for, in his mind, I don't know how good of a job he did, but, you know, he's all about what can I do that's really fast? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, interestingly enough, so these last, this last week or so, we've really, we've been talking, talking, talking to the kids about, okay, you know, eventually, really soon, you're going to be in charge of the kitchen after dinner. Like, oh, we're yeah. going to leave, which mm-hmm. they've been helping out for years after dinner. Mm-hmm. But my husband and I are like, no, we're going to leave the vicinity. We're going to oh. leave the room and okay. you're in charge. And so we've been playing with that and it's been, Amazing. They've been doing really well. They've been turning on music. I think they actually have been having fun until last night. Okay. And last night, my 10-year-old said to the 13, the 13-year-old said, hey, do you think you could do the dishes and I'll do the other stuff because I've been doing the dishes every time. And my 10-year-old totally came unglued, like had an inappropriate reaction. <laughs> like I don't think the reaction was like really that necessary, but he anyway, he just freaked out. And so once he kind of calmed down, I said, well, wait a minute. He's like, I'm not good at it. It takes me so long. I said, okay. And my daughter's going like, well, you're not going to get better at it until you practice, you know, super helpful. And I said, well, wait a minute. I said, what if, you know, where's there, where's there a middle ground? You know, what Mm -hmm. can, what can you do? Can you do the plates and the glasses and Rowan can do the pots or can you ask for help? Can you ask mm-hmm. for what you need, right? Versus yeah. just freaking out and being yeah. completely unavailable for discussion. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he got it together and he did some dishes. And at one point I did walk over and I said, you know, when I have a lot of dishes to do and I'm kind of upset about it, I try to just focus on the warm water on my hands and the bubbles. And I, I just try to find my zen which is what I say to my son a lot. And so later on when he was done, I said, hey, man, you know, you did it. And he's like, oh, yeah, I totally found my Zen mom. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, all right. Doing the dishes. So, you know, I think it's important. And, you know, that daily job thing and nighttime Mm -hmm. routines and morning routines, they work for – they're helpful for as long as they're going to be helpful. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things – and let me know that parents kind of start to think like, oh, this doesn't – like it works works for like a month. Mm-hmm. It's like, great. Oh my gosh. It worked for a month. That's amazing. <laughs> right. Like just right. revisit it, tweak it, yeah. play with it, ask the kids what's not working and you know, it's yeah. okay. Yeah. Yes. And I will say, so we're three weeks into school and we still have not gotten the nighttime routine down. And it's frustrating to me because I really like 
everything to just get organized and like get planned and <laughs> right. And You're an adult this year. <laughs> <laughs> we have two different schools this year and two different buses and whatever. It's driving me crazy. But um, yeah, I think that's really good. So we're we try something for a couple of days and I think it's okay if it doesn't work right away and it's okay if it doesn't work forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that open yeah. up that conversation and move forward with it. My favorite is let's try this for a week. Yeah. We're going to try it for a week. And at the Mm -hmm. end, it's typically family meetings where we're revisiting. Uh And how did that work? And the kids either – the kids typically will say – most of the time they just say, yeah, 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 it's fine. We don't need to (laughs) – or, you know, this was terrible, you know. Or one of us is like, actually, no, this did not – this was not helpful to you. And that's always what we're moving towards is, is it helpful? Is this routine helpful? Is this job – you know, the way that we're dispersing daily work, is this helpful to you? And then when the answer is no, well, what would be, what would help you? Yeah. So I think that's Mm -hmm. language that's forwarding. So what about, okay. So the other thing that shows up with back to school is the H word, (laughs) right? Homework. I don't know what it's like where you live. I haven't really, we haven't, I haven't felt as though homework has been too overwhelming. Although I see on my Facebook feed, people commenting that their kids, their young elementary kids are getting like crazy amounts of homework. Yeah. So first I would love, what's your opinion on the homework front? Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of busy work or things like that, that don't necessarily enhance the learning. I love reading because I feel like kids should be reading, but that's just my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I would be fine with, especially with the younger grades, not having any homework. Let them play. <laughs> Let them play. Have you seen that <laughs> post that's going viral from the teacher saying, dear parents, right? there will be no yeah. homework. Have yeah. fun. Play with each other. Enjoy each yeah. other. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. And I think the more that they're learning about the effectiveness of homework, I hope that the conversation will shift a little bit. Yeah. And I appreciate it. I appreciate it as a opportunity to practice organization mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. an opportunity to practice, you know, work ethic. But when it's not developmentally appropriate as far as workload goes, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it just and for like I said, fortunately, we don't have too much I'm pretty hands off. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I've got kids that are, you know, they've they have a get together in the classroom, so they're not they aren't struggling, mm-hmm. but for, and, and so my heart breaks for my clients and my friends who have kids that are having a hard time and they're having a hard time in school. And so they're getting even more mm-hmm. to bring home. Right. Um, yeah. So what are your, and I know you, you've written blogs about that negative self-talk stuff. And so when you've got a child who, you know, even when it's, we'll, we'll just assume that it's an appropriate amount of homework and that it's not busy work that it's actually like practicing skills and maybe mm-hmm. not o- and not an over the top amount and the child gets is feeling really discouraged what are some ideas that you have for parents to be supportive and available without getting into that crazy power struggle that can show up around homework what do you think right yeah i think <laughs> That's a huge problem for a lot of parents. And I think the first step is we have to take ourselves out of the equation. 
kind of going back to what we were talking about before, check your own stuff at the door kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. when you start being worried about number 10 getting done or whatever, or like, did you do your spelling words right? I mean, you you might be worrying a little bit more than the child, and I don't think that that's helpful. Um, so your, if your own anxiety is getting in the way or whatever, it might be time to find your zen. Yeah, <laughs> find your zen, people. Find your zen right. around homework. Right. And then I think um, the other piece, well, there's lots of pieces, but is to really um, start encouraging the process rather than the outcome. And if your child is struggling with whatever, math or whatever, and they work on it for 10 minutes and they have tried six different equations and they still haven't found the right answer, that's six equations that they've tried. And I think that could be celebrated, so to speak, instead of saying, come on, you should know this by now, or why aren't you, you know, you still have more things to do, um, or whatever. Because that, um, when we start saying that, like, getting it right is the key to success, or getting it right is what makes you a good student, we lose all that um, work ethic, like you were saying, and trying to pull that perseverance and grit and all that. Yeah. Well, in one of your recent posts about how to respond differently to aggressive behavior, which I love and listeners, I'm going to put it in the show notes because it's such a great article. Um, This episode is brought to you by J. Crew. This spring, J. Crew is telling a linen love story. From perfectly rumpled beach cover-ups and effortlessly sexy suiting to button-up shirts from the world-famous Baird McNutt Mill in Ireland, the new J. Crew collection is made to be shared, lived in, and loved for decades and generations to come. Shop linen like you've never seen it. And more new arrivals for spring 2024 at jcrew.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. You know, I think that homework can be a trigger point for kids and send them to crazy town, you know, because, yeah. you know, I've been at school all day and perhaps school, the work part of school is hard and I'm uncomfortable at school because I know what I don't know and it doesn't feel good. And now I'm home with my unconditional person and you're on my back and I have more of this stuff to do. You know, it's so appropriate for them to you know, explode for them to fall apart, for them to push back and withdraw or however it looks like for your individual child. So Mm -hmm. talk a bit, because in your article about aggressive behavior, and it doesn't mean that our kids are like hitting us, although some kids, you know, get, can get really aggressive in their discouragement. Talk about like that whole idea of shame and that, you know, the ways that, you know, loving, well-informed, you know, Wanting to be helpful parents mm-hmm. can sometimes, you know, continue to send the child unknowingly send the child deeper into that feelings around shame. Right. Talk a little bit about that, and how can we 
be a support in a way that lifts them up rather than pushes them back into it. Yeah, yeah. So I have made up a terminology called the bad kid cycle. And I see kids falling into this where they have some sort of um, negative thought or they say it out loud. So they might say something like, um, I'm trying to think of a homework example, but they might um, say, oh, I I can't figure this out. I'm, I'm so stupid. And the parent would say, um, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just losing. No, you're okay. The parent with the really well intentioned. No, you're not. You're fine. Just do it. Why do you have to? Yeah. Or the other thing is, is they would, I think what I see most more often, not more often, but often is the parent would say, settle down, stop that behavior, whatever. And so then they say, see, even my mom thinks I'm bad. Even those, those feelings I had were bad. Um, I am a stupid person. I am a bad kid. I am, um, and then they kind of get stuck on this cycle. So they make, they do this behavior, they crumple their paper and they throw it away or in other room right. or whatever. Yeah. And then their parent reprimands them again and come on, get it together. And then trying to be helpful or trying to, no, no, you can do this or whatever. But it's just, they're so stuck that then their behaviors and their thoughts just keep going and, um, yeah. and it's hard to get out. And it reinforces that belief that I'm inferior or. Right. There's something wrong with me yeah. as a person. Yeah. And not that math is hard and I am struggling. It's I am a I am a person that is flawed because right. I can't figure out math. Right. Um so and I, I talk a little bit about trying to help your kids get out of that cycle by just kind of empathizing and being with them and showing them love in that midst of that frustration. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe you just say, This is a really hard assignment, isn't it? Or um I can tell that you're frustrated and I, I just, I don't know if you would actually say this, but I love you so much and we're going to get through this or, um, I'm right here with you and not being faced by their big blowups or their big emotions and just sticking with them. Cause then it's almost like you're, <laughs> you're not confirming their belief. You're giving them a different thought. Yeah. Process, a different Well, and I love that too, because what I'm hearing you say, because so often we can be triggered. Mm. We get triggered by their response to Mm. the overwhelming emotions that they're having. Mm -hmm. And then we get triggered by the response and that's where we meet them is in their behavior versus, I love the image of the iceberg. So tip of the iceberg is crumpling up my paper, throwing it on the floor. I hate math. I'm so stupid and screaming and yelling. And I say, quit yelling. Right. (laughs) What are you doing with your paper? Like, knock it off. Versus, wow, I've got a really discouraged kid. Mm -hmm. And what's going on with math? And what's going on with school? And, hmm, I'm going to get curious about this. Yeah. I love, I don't know if you follow Bonnie Harris from Connected Parenting, but she she was on the podcast last fall. Mm -hmm. Her, one of her quotes that I love the most is misbehavior is like weeds in the garden. And if you don't pull up the root, it keeps coming back. Hmm. So like in the homework Hmm. example, if all I'm doing is getting on my kid's case because he's yelling and throwing his homework on the ground, I'm going to continue to struggle with homework with him because that same behavior is going to keep coming back versus let's get to the bottom of your beliefs about yourself. 
-hmm. your beliefs about your abilities, your beliefs about how you fit in the classroom or in the family or, or even just, you know, whether or not they've, again, contributed to when are we going to do homework? What's it going to look like? What's the plan? Because going under the surface like that, then you're really solving a problem Mm -hmm. versus quit being so loud or whatever, right? right? Yep. Yep. And Ross Green um, talks about that a lot too. Love him. Yeah. And I think as parents, we need to be careful though, that we don't assume that we know the solution or that we know the problem. Yeah. Like I could see myself going, you know, let's just do these math problems one more time, or let's just, you know, you know this or whatever. And when that is not even close to the problem, but if I don't sit and listen or sit and be empathetic and just, or just sit, um, right. And do a, like that work. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And this is a theme. I feel like the last couple of months that, and, and not just with our kids, with our partners, Mm -hmm. with our friends, our coworkers, that assumption that we know right. what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what they should do, what they shouldn't do. Like, we don't know. Right. We don't know. <laughs> so when you people, listeners, when you catch yourself <laughs> saying, thinking, well, I know what's going on here. Like, I am going to challenge you to say, I don't know what's going on here. Right. Let's just move through the world really in curiosity. I wonder, I wonder what's happening here. And then actually following through with the language of tell me about, tell me about what it's like for you when it's time to do homework. Yeah. Yeah. Gather some information, let them tell you versus thinking that, you know, right. Right. I can't, I mean, that would dramatically change the homework routine for so many kids if they could just have that conversation. And I would encourage parents to really be patient too, through that process, because I think, at least with my daughter, I don't think she knows right away. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, if we can explore, and sometimes I just throw out ideas like into the air, not really trying to, you know, like I wonder if music would be helpful. And then, like a couple weeks later, she might say, "I really hate music being on when I do my homework." And it's like, <laughs> "Okay, <"Hmm>. okay, <laughs> it took a while, but we yeah. got there." So, um, just to be patient through that process. Yeah. Awesome. I am so glad that you came back on the podcast. Thanks. I'm yeah. happy to be here. Yeah. Well, I love, love, love your work. And again, I'm so honored to know you and love that what we put out into the world aligns so well. Do you have anything going on that you want to let the listeners know about? I'm thinking about your communication program. I think it will be already started. Oh, darn it. Okay. Well then at least, well, that's, that works out for me because you know, I got my program going on. So I know. (laughs) Well, tell the listeners where they can find you. Right. And follow you you and see uh, all your good stuff. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, Imperfectfamilies.com. And then also on Facebook, mostly Facebook. I'm on Twitter and Pinterest too, but. Okay. And uh, Imperfect Families on Twitter and Pinterest. I know Imperfect Families on Facebook. What are my? Or are you Nicole Schwartz? Nicole Schwartz on Pinterest and um, Nicole for Families on Twitter. So you might want to get all that the same. I really, I know, <laughs> but you know, nobody really follows me anywhere else but Facebook. That is where it's at for me. <laughs> Facebook is my jam too. Well, Nicole and listeners, I'll make sure that all the links to those places are in the show notes, so you don't have to remember. You can just scroll down. And again, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. 
Mm-hmm. And we'll talk again soon. Okay, thanks. Ah, wasn't that so great? I just, I really like Nicole. I wish she lived closer so I could hang out with her. Hoping that you took away some good information. Um, I'm guessing that you're noticing, if you've been following me for any amount of time, you're noticing that it's important to me not just to talk about parenting tools and strategies. That it's really important to me to inspire parents and encourage parents to get ever clearer and more aware of their own contribution, like Nicole and I were talking, their own contribution to the behavior that they're seeing. Because our kids, they're picking up our energy, they're picking up our vibes. They are making decisions based on the beliefs that they're developing about themselves in the world. And guess what? They are great perceivers. They are not great interpreters. So they're having their experiences. They're in their relationships and they're making meaning from what they see. The meaning they're making is inspiring their beliefs and their beliefs then, you know, forward them into decision making. So what does this mean for us? It means that we have to recognize our part in that, our part in that formula. Yeah. It's crazy. I know. And it's hard to take ownership. It's way easier to blame our crazy kids, blame them for how we're feeling. And gosh, if they would just listen, if they would just do what they were supposed to do, everything would be great. But, you know, step back, find your balcony seat and think about what you're doing to either encourage and empower or discourage them from being able to show up in a way that is helpful. All right. That's my invitation to you. So I had a great time today. Thank you again for tuning in and listening. You know, you can find my offers of the blog and other episodes on my website, joyfulcourage.com. You can also follow me on Facebook, Joyful Courage, Instagram and Twitter. I'm at at Joyful Courage on both of those social medias. Um, Also, if you haven't already joined us, I have a closed Facebook group that is called Live and Love with Joyful Courage. And this is where we are having lively discussions. People are sharing all sorts of useful tools and um, posts that they're finding on the internet that are helpful to them. I'm there a lot answering questions and chiming in. It's just a really powerful, supportive community. So I would love to invite each and every one of you to search for that on Facebook and join us, okay? And and finally, if you wouldn't mind, head on over to iTunes and look up Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast and leave me a review if you find this to be helpful, if you're um, excited each week to hear the next episode, you know, leave me a review. Give me some stars. Five would be great. And uh, let others know why you are tuning in and what kind of value you find in this podcast and in me as a, as a host. Would you do that for me? That would be so awesome. Uh, big, huge love to each and every one of you. Continue to enjoy this transition back into the fall. Craziness is upon us, right? Halloween's going to be here before we know it. And then, oh my God, holidays. So crazy. Think about So keep tuning into the podcast. I'll try to help you stay sane. And uh, yeah, big, huge love to all of you. Bye.
Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 